Episode 88, Saturday night, 11.30 p.m., May 21st, 2022, Fractured Skulls. I'm back with Monoxide. Monoxide, we got two films today. Those. Those films. Mm-hmm. Before we get to those films, I have some news stories. Only two topics today. I'm going to keep it short since we got two films to discuss. Yep. And they're both and both of these topics are about the Hall of Fame. The first things first, we mentioned the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Would you like to know the inductees into this year's Country Music Hall of Fame? I'm not going to be able to discuss it much, but go right ahead. Well, there's only three this year. Okay. They, they seem to do three. They seem to do three inductees every year. But this year is Joe Galante, Keith Whitney, and Jerry Lee Lewis. I know Jerry Lee Lewis. I don't know the other two. And my only real affiliation with country is Conway Twitty. And the day that I went to New Orleans for WrestleMania week, we all went to a karaoke bar. And I decided to go up and sing uh that's my kind of night from luke bryan and as soon as i was done one of our mutual friends looked at me and they've known me for about 10 years up to that point and said i don't even fucking know you <laughs> and apparently while i was singing this song that same person went up to my wife and said since when does your man listen to country and she, even she couldn't answer because i threw her off well, Conway Twitty, you mentioned he was inducted in 1999 along with Dolly Parton, who's being inducted into this year's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The BAM Alabama is also in there. They sang one of my favorite songs. Song! Song with a sound! Yeah. The, that's my kind of night. Some Johnny Cash tunes and uh, that one song from Conway Twitty where he's like, I see them sparkling little diamonds on your hands. Uh... I don't really care for country music. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mr. Perfect's country song, I Hate Rap. He's great. And uh, what was it? Um, in South Park, there's an episode where the kids have to write a report and it turns into a fucking political fight between the liberals and conservatives about uh, the Confederacy or whatever. And there's one part where Stan's dad is on the liberal side, and this character named Skeeter's on the conservative side. Skeeter's dressed as a country singer. Stan's dad's dressed as an old-school rock and roll guy, and they do this, like, back and forth. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. Yeah. I'm in for supporting our troops. I'm in for taking them home. Yeah. And they just battle back and forth. That's really... Otherwise, I'm a kumquat when it comes to country music. Yeah, I'm not a big country music guy neither. I mean, there's songs here and there that I like from certain artists like Johnny Cash, uh, Toby Keith. Duh, ooh, I couldn't name you a song from Toby Keith. I, I do have country. I do have country songs on my music list that I listen to. I'm just throwing out country artists. No, and as I mentioned earlier, Luke Bryan. Um, I, I know he's, yeah, I think there's one song because I may have heard. Uh, Ray Charles went in last year. Ray Charles? Yeah, well, I mean, he he grew up in the South, so a, a lot of his style was influenced by Southern music, so I'm, I I can understand that. Uh, Kid Rock's now country. I don't know what the hell. Kid Rock, he, he pretends he's country when he, when he grew up in, but in reality, he grew up in Detroit. Yes, and he was a rapper when he first started. Like you, his first ever album. People think it's freaking Devil Without a Cause. That's not the case. His first album was Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast, and it's literally no rock music at all. It's all straight 1990 hip hop. And literally, his single off of that song, if you could call it that, off that album was Yodeling in the Valley. I'll let you at home deduce what that means. Let's just say it's an innuendo. Oh God, Kenny Rogers. Yeah, I, I there's a song or two of his that I like. He's also in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, congratulations to those three. Um, I just, I remember they made a movie on Jerry Lee Lewis several years. I'm going back like in the '80s. I think yeah. I'm going to. As I said, I'm not a country guy. 
I'm more of a uh, industrial metal, rap, rock, you name it. Country's just never really been my thing, so I don't hate it. It's not for me. All right. Well, that's that. And our second and last news story is the Video Game Hall of Fame. All right, this I'm interested to hear. Go ahead. All right, the Video Game Hall of Fame was formed in 2015. Yep. So would you like to know the inductees for this year's Video Game Hall of Fame? Now, oh, hold up. Before you even tell me, what's the criteria? Like, what rules are there? Okay, video games become eligible for the Hall of Fame by meeting four basic criterias. They okay, are. Go ahead. Number one, icon status. It's widely recognized and remembered. Number okay. two, longevity. Is more than a passing fate that has enjoyed popularity over time. Okay. Number three, geographical reach. It meets the above criteria across international boundaries. Okay. And number four, influence. Has exerted significant influence on the design and development of other games, on other forms of entertainment, or on or on popular culture and society in general. Okay. Go ahead. Would you like to know the other years, or would you just... Yeah, yeah, tell me the other years first before you tell me this year's. All right, 2015, you got six games. Doom, Pac-Man, Pong, Super Mario Brothers, Tetris, World of Warcraft. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of those. I mean, Tetris, it's like, I think, the most bought game ever. Mario, I mean, it's Mario. Doom pretty much inspired the first-person shooter in a way. Uh, World of Warcraft, I mean, that game has been literally alive for 20 years as a PC game and is always updating. Um, what were the other two again? Um, what did I say? Pong? Pong, yeah, I mean, come on. It's 1970. Yep. And, and Pac-Man. And Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Who doesn't know who Pac-Man is? I mean, come on. Yeah. Alright, go ahead. Alright, 2016. We got six games again. Legend of Zelda, 86. The Oregon Trail, The Sims, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, Grand Theft Auto 3. Now it's going now yeah, we're going by individual games, not by franchises. Yeah, again, uh, well, the only game there, I don't think most of the kids nowadays really know is Oregon Trail. Yeah, uh, that one Grand- I had to look up because that was the only one I was kind of unfamiliar with too. I, I know Oregon Trail. I've seen clips of it and never really played it. But the rest of those seem plausible. I can see those. Especially Grand Theft Auto 3. Because that, that was the... There was obviously two games prior to that. But that was the game that basically uh, catapulted the Grand Theft Auto series full-fledged. So, yeah, definitely GTA 3. And, and it was a game that really helped uh, PlayStation 2 when it first came out. They needed that one. You always need that one game. Right. I mean, the first game I remember on PS2 was Tekken Tag Tournament. But... I think that was the first game that I can recall that was really like a big deal for that system. 2017, we only got four games inducted. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, a few other honorable mentions that didn't make the list that were considered. All right, here we go. Pokemon Red and Green or Blue, 96. Street Fighter II, The World Warrior. Donkey Kong, 1981. And the first Xbox game, Halo Combat Evolved. I mean, so far this list has been pretty respectable. So, yeah. Um, you said Donkey Kong 81. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the sound effects and the music is so iconic. Um, what was the other? Just, oh my God, you just said the, the names uh-huh. of the games. Uh, Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2, I mean, that was the game that inspired fighting games. Um, yep. Halo. Halo, yeah, Halo pretty much catapulted Xbox and gave it its first IP. And what was the last one? Uh, Pokemon Red and Green. Yeah, I loved those games growing up. They were the first uh, RPG Pokemon games I played. I thought they were the first. And, uh, yeah. And that started the Pokemon franchise as far as an RPG is concerned. So, yeah. uh, So far, this list is not a list that I'm scratching my head going, what the hell are they thinking? So... All right, moving on to 2018. We got four games. John Madden's Football, Tomb Raider, Space War, and Final Fantasy VII. Don't know much about Space War. 
that came um, out in 1962. Yeah, so Madden football. Uh, I never really played the original Madden. There have been Madden games that are great, but obviously the Madden series has fallen since then. But as you said, we're not talking about franchises, just singular game. And um, 1990, I'm assuming the very first. Yeah, and then, damn it, I keep blanking. Uh, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, yeah, for sure. I mean, that game freaking made Lara Croft into an iconic figure in the 90s. Yep, and Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII, yeah, everybody loves that game, and that game is revered. It got remade, for fuck's sake, so. Yep, 2019, we got four. Microsoft Solitaire. Mortal Kombat. Yes, I agree with that. Super Mario Kart. Yep. And the Colossal Cave Adventure. Colossal Cave Adventure. Came out now, 76. Now, here's the thing. These had to be games that stood the test of time. Like, see here, I'm looking at Colossal Cave Adventure. It looks like, this looks like that game that freaking um, Bastion was playing in big, in a way. It's a text-based. It's a text-based game. Right. Um. I wonder why that. Hey, it I must know. been a big deal in the seventies. I could it tell you. We're talking about games that obviously stood the test of time and was able to exist for years to come. And for the most part, other than that one, that was. These games have been understandable. Mario Kart for sure. Yep. Mortal Kombat, of course. That's obvious. Yeah. Violence and video games. So. Yep. Microsoft Solitaire, a basic online computer game. Microsoft Solitaire. That's an interesting one. Well, yeah, because remember, they go by everything, not just uh, video games, not just, uh, they also go by PC games as well. Was this a PC game you could buy, or was it, a, from what I understand, it's a game that's in the computer. It was, it was, in, yeah, it was included with Microsoft Windows. So then. Theoretically, that pinball game that was involved in, what was that, that Space Cadet pinball game that you used to get, my yep. wife looks at me like, oh, you're, I'm bringing up the nostalgia. That's eligible, yes, too. That, then, right? Yes, yes, sir. All right, then, if that's eligible, then no complaints. All right, class of 2020, we got four games. Minecraft. Yes, 100% agree. King's Quest, Centipede, and Bejeweled. Centipede and Bejeweled, yeah. What was the second one? Uh, King's Quest. Not familiar with that one. Uh, it was developed by and published originally for the IBM PC Jr. in 1984. Okay, it's a PC game. So then also, Minesweeper would be uh, eligible then. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And Ang- Angry Birds as well. Alright. Uh, so far, this list isn't that insulting. So. Alright. Class of 2021, four games. Mm-hmm. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Animal Crossing. Yeah. Definitely agree with that one. Uh, Starcraft and Microsoft yes. Flight Simulator. I don't think I played Flight Simulator, but uh, another PC game for the IBM. Heard of. Right. And then we come to this year's Class of 2022. Right. All right. We got Sid Meier Civilization, Dance hmm. Dance Revolution. Yes. Agreed. Miss Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> and and the Legend of Zelda, or Arcana of Time. Ninety. Arcana of Ocarina. Time. <laughs> Please Ocarina. tell me you fucked that up on purpose. <laughs> okay. Uh I remember, God bless her, I, I, I joke with my actual wife that Charlie is my second wife, the girl that used to do the uh, interviews at, in WWE. She had Xavier Woods, who's part of the New Day, who's a big gamer, he has up, up, down, down. And she had the audacity to tell him, so you play the legend of Ocarina of Time. And he had this reaction, like, what did you just say? And I and I I remember she tweeted like, "What did I say? I was wrong." And joking now, knowing that she fucked up, so I retweeted like, "Don't worry, my favorite game is The Legend of Breath of the Wild." So, <laughs> Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, 
definitely deserves to be on that list. It's my second favorite Zelda game behind Breath of the Wild. Um, what were the games? Keep forgetting the other games. Um, Miss Pac-Man, uh, Dance Dance Revolution, and the one I'm not familiar with is Sid Meier's uh, Civilization. Alright, Miss Pac-Man is peculiar, because that's just Pac-Man with a fucking bow on her head. Yes. They had to cater to the female audience. It's like, hey, where's ours? Alright, you got one. Remind me of that story that I heard on Icons. Icons was like a 30-minute show discussing franchise, uh, game franchises or whatever. They talk about Mortal Kombat or Mario or there was one with Tekken and Gran Turismo. Sometimes they would even do consoles. And one episode they did was on the Game Boy. And the consumer was demanding after the great success of the original Game Boy, and I'm not saying that's sarcastically, like that original Game Boy was a fucking success, that people were complaining they wanted to have a Game Boy that had colored graphics. So as a troll move, Nintendo is like, oh, you want Game Boy with color? Okay. Oh, the screens won't have color, but the Game Boys themselves will be colored. And they still sold well. So... Boy Color, yeah, wow. Yeah, remember Game Boy Color? I sure I, do. I, I had a Game Boy Advance SP. Actually, my first ever game console, if you could call it console, was the original Game Boy, the Great Brick. Uh, I'm not sure if I just said it on this show, but my mom had my dad and I, we went to Atlantic City. I obviously couldn't game. I was young at the time. This was 1993, so I would have been four. Around four-ish. I was already into arcade games at this point. I played Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Yeah, at the age of two. Um, and my mother was at the casino, and she won like $5,000 on one of the machines. And so she went to a store that was on the block at Atlantic City, a little boardwalk, and bought me a Game Boy and a couple games. One of them being Super Mario Land 2, I think. That's one of my favorite Game Boy games, next to the one you said earlier, Pokemon Red and Blue. So that was technically my favorite. And I remember we went on one of those little trolleys on the uh, the boardwalk, and I was playing the Game Boy, and it was raining out. I still remember that. Um so yeah, I wonder if consoles will be included in that. Yeah, I wonder in due time if they open like another section for uh, consoles. But I mean, a shit ton, a shit ton of games over the years were considered. I'm just gonna quickly bruise some of them. 2015, you had The Sims, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, which later got inducted, the original Legend of Zelda, Angry mm-hmm. Birds. Um, 2016, you had, um, and they later got inducted, uh, John Madden's Football, the original Final Fantasy, the original Tomb Raider. Um, 2017, let's see, the original Resident Evil was considered, Mortal Kombat was considered, Wii Sports was considered. Yeah. I, I, I believe, I believe this is all done by a voting pool. I don't, I don't know where this voting event is or how they do this, but I would like to get involved in one of these years. If it's a voting thing. I would say, yeah, Tekken 3 definitely needs to be inducted. That game was really well done. Resident Evil 4 definitely has to get inducted at some point. Um, trying to think. Diablo. Diablo 2, I think, definitely needs to be inducted. Let's see. 2018, uh, uh, Call of Duty was considered uh, Metroid. And Miss Pac-Man, which, of course, they later got which it. Which Metroid? The one for the NES or Super yeah, Metroid? In, yeah, 1986 NES. I guess you gotta induct the original before you induct Super Metroid. Well, no, well, I mean, Grand Theft Auto 3 has proven you can do <laughs> that. Is, well, because the first two I don't think should be inducted. Three was the first one that catapulted them. But then again, they inducted Ocarina of Time before they inducted Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. So that it, there is, I guess, I mean, Ocarina of Time is more revered, but Link to the Past was super revered too. And there's people actually have debate that Link to the Past is their favorite Zelda game. Um, I would say GoldenEye should definitely be inducted. I, I, I have not seen GoldenEye um, considered yet in any of these polls. Uh, let me see. 2019, maybe it'll come up eventually. Uh, 2019, you had Candy Crush. 
uh, NBA 2K, and Super Smash Brothers Melee considered. NBA Jam definitely needs to get somewhere. Uh, Here we go, 2020. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to say, like, I, I know it'll never happen, but I would love to see the Simpsons arcade game get inducted. Mm hmm. But yeah. 2020, Super Smash Brothers Melee almost got in, but lost out to Centipede. Okay. And, and the other finalists, you just mentioned it GoldenEye, uh, Frogger, of course. You, you said NBA Jam. NBA Jam is on this list and Guitar Hero. What about uh, Qbert? Yeah, I love Qbert. I have not seen Qbert yet at all here. Let's that was see. my mom's favorite game. She loves Qbert. Yeah, my dad loved that game too. What's another one? Um, Remember SSX Tricky? The snowboarding game? Uh, Now at the top of my head, maybe if I see the cover, I may remember it. It's the, the the white dude with the afro. Sean White? No, no, it was a fake character. Oh. It's a fake uh, character, but yeah, I, I forgot about the game. Um, I know it'll never make it, but most people probably say WWF No Mercy should be on there. Yeah, I can see people making a stand for that. Mm. NBA Street, Volume 2, I would love to see on there. Um... Let's see. 2021, we got uh, FIFA International Soccer from 93, Portal, Call of Duty, Guitar Hero again. Almost got in last year, but lost out to Carmen San Diego. Uh, oh. Farmville, Pole Position, mm -hmm. and Tron. I would love to see, um, had him in my head, uh, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Yes. Uh, yeah, those definitely need a, a space in there. Uh, I think if there's any other games off the top of my Virtual Fighter. Yeah. That's got to get on. That was the first oh, three fights. Some of the Streets of Rage games, at least number two has to get on here. Double Dragon has to get on there. Double Dragon. Castlevania. Oh, God. Castlevania Contra? Contra definitely needs to go on there. Um, uh, trying to think Super, Super Mario World. Get Mario, on there. Absolutely. Oh, Mario 64. Mario 64, the Super Mario, the original trilogy. Number two and three, put them in there. Yeah. Um, Mike so, Tyson, Punch Out. Yeah, Punch Out, uh, Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. Yep. Uh, those are uh, great games. Let's see, Class of 22, Resident Evil was again considered. Candy Crush again, NBA Jam again. Uh, Assassin's Creed were the new finalists. Uh, Microsoft uh, Minesweeper, Parappa the Rapper, Rogue, <laughs> and World with Friends. Words with Friends, excuse me. Words with Friends, okay. What about uh, Temple Run? Because we're using mobile games. Yeah, mobile games are also considered. I did not see Temple Run on here. Right. And for this year, like the finalists were announced on March 17th, and the inductees were revealed on May 5th. So this was knit recent. Wow. Which means I I'm know. gonna get to the shit and find out how, how this voting thing works, how we can get involved, because I got some names I want to throw into the hat here. Yeah, we've already named a bunch of games that should definitely go on there. Um, I'm still Sonic trying to... Sonic the Hedgehog 2. What's up? Sonic the Hedgehog, the second game for the Sega. Yeah, definitely get it. Two is better than one, in my opinion. Three, it was good. It just didn't have that same... It, three fell into the same trap that Mortal Kombat 3 did. It lost some of that charm from the original two games. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say... As I said, Tekken. But I think Tekken... Tekken 2, in my opinion, was the first great Tekken. Tekken 1 was fine, story-wise. But I think Tekken 3 would probably outweigh it uh, as far as a game is concerned. Um, Siphon Filter. Ooh, now we're going back. Mm-hmm. I like Siphon Filter. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I mean, now we're just naming our favorite games. I don't know. If they will follow the criteria. But Siphon well, Filter did get a lot of sequels. Well, I know Gran Turismo should definitely be inducted. That was like the big racing game. Definitely needs to be inducted. And I'm not even the biggest Gran Turismo fan, but it's like, dude stupid to deny Gran Turismo. They, they inducted Street Fighter, so at some point, Virtual Fighter's gotta get on there because of the 
idea it was the first fighting game in 3D. Um, still trying to think of it. I, I'm still... Because one of my favorite games is Bushido Blade 2. Does it deserve to be on there? Probably not, even though it was unique for the time, but it definitely did not fit the criteria of what they want. What about Twisted Metal? Um, I think one of the years it was considered. I thought mm-hmm. I thought it said on here I could be wrong. But I would consider Twisted Metal. Yeah, they were making a TV series apparently out of it now. Yeah, so there you go. I remember those commercials too. Where uh the the clown is at, at, at one of the uh the malls and the mall Santa is trying to convince the kid that uh you want uh, one of the Twisted Metal games, and the kid wants a bicycle, and he starts like going crazy because he knows if he doesn't sell it to him, then the clowns are going to get him, and the one clown's like, I hate all Santas. Old school commercial. Um, no, I don't see Twisted Metal on this list. Uh, that's that's quite interesting. We said Mario 64. Would Mario Galaxy be included? Um, It'll be considered, yeah. I don't know if Pokemon Stadium would be considered... You know, I, I love Pokemon Snap. I mean, you might get one of Super Smash Brothers games in there. Melee would probably be it, because that's the one they use a lot for all those gaming tournaments and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that one would probably get the edge. Pardon me. Um, everything else? I, I said Diablo 2. That definitely needs to go there. I would even say uh, The Last of Us, um, especially the first one, because that is a great game. I know. I, I don't think you've ever played it. Might be a little too early. Would Would you say Heavy Rain? Um, did Heavy Rain have an impact like that? Hey, there were games prior to it by Quantum. They did uh, Fahrenheit 911, but it didn't reach the heights that Heavy Rain did. And because Heavy Rain did so well, you had uh, Detroit Become Human and uh, Beyond Two Souls. It kind of drove the narrative of. Uh, movie-based, like, the way a movie would be portrayed in a game when you're basically interacting. Mm-hmm. I, they, I, I mean, I don't know. They don't have a year thing, like, at least with the with the music, the Rock and Roll Hall thing, there's, like, a 25-year gap before you're eligible. Uh, I don't think that is relevant for the video games. Yeah. Because otherwise, Breath of the Wild can go in there right now because of its impact. Yeah, the most I, recent game is that's in was is 2004. Yeah, even though that's oh my god, it's almost 20 years ago. Fuck. Yeah, that's showing how old we get, man. God damn. Like a game I like is The Darkness. I know that'll never make it. I mean, Uncharted <laughs> 2 was considered. That was that came out in 2009. Right. Uh, 2012 Crash. Can't Crush. So I guess the year doesn't really matter. Crash Bandicoot. Three needs to definitely get there at some point. I love. I think that game made a lot of impact. Fun. Um, uh, three Wart. Yeah. Uh, every time you get uh, one of the uh, the guys in the mask. Ooga booga. <laughs> every, every time you lose him, I just go. But yeah, that is your um, that is the video game hall of fame. There is a international video game hall of fame. Is a planned museum to be operated in Iowa, but I think that that Hall of Fame it goes more to like the developers and stuff. Gotcha. Oh, one game I forgot to mention: Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Yeah. I just thought about that. That's another game that they need to consider, along with Resident Evil. And it looks like the games here, yeah, they go by the same criteria. Okay, so yeah, that's the same. Yeah, I guess I guess with the International Hall of Fame, yeah, they got some developers. I remember the Xbox design team. Okay. I guess they probably would do some of the systems there as well. I would like to see, I would like to see the Intellivision get inducted. We'll go we'll old Boy. school. Game Boy. Atari. The Atari. The uh, Sega. Do you think the uh, the Odyssey should be inducted? I don't know. I was going to say, you think like Odyssey, maybe like Sega Saturn or even a Dreamcast? Sega Saturn I, I I thought the Sega Saturn was underrated. That ain't make it. I'm telling you. Uh, PS2 definitely has to make it. Oh, absolutely. PlayStation, yeah. So many different systems you can induct in there. Yeah. So many systems. Still so many games to be considered. Um, 
Yeah, there's still, I mean, it's, I mean, like I said, this whole thing is brand new. It just started almost a decade ago. Nice. So, and it's respectable. I got to give it credit. It's the criteria it is and the games in there. A couple of them I was like, eh, but for the most part, it's a pretty respectable list. Mm-hmm. They're not putting in like uh, big rigs or something. And well, and that's that. That was a fun conversation. But now it's movie time. It's, it's now for the attraction. We got two films here. One film you picked. One film I picked. And first things first, we're going to start with, off with the better film, The Sand. Surprised you said that. I, well, you'll hear my rant once we get to the cabin fever. Okay, fair enough. The, the Sand, I it has a 3.8 out of 10 on, on uh, IMDb. I think that's too low of a score. I'll, I would at least go a five. Um, so I'm with you on that. I actually, I watched this movie this morning as of this recording. Before my wife even woke up because my day was just going to be hectic. I wasn't going to have time to watch two movies at once. And we did a stream not too long before that. So I definitely wouldn't have had time. Um, so I watched it this morning and... I thought this was going to be corny, which it was. There w- don't get me wrong. There was some corniness to this movie, specifically the CGI. That but was the only part I didn't like, but go ahead. I thought this movie was fine. I wish it was cornier. I, I am a sucker for corny shit. I guess before we like go through the plot, I'll just say that this movie, when I first saw it, I, I, I to, to back up to explain how I found this movie. One of the actresses I follow on Instagram and found out she was an actress. And she's in this movie. And I thought when seeing one of the clips, when the sand is doing its thing, it's actually the scene where uh, Mitch gets killed by the sand. I thought it was just sand that just kills because it's alive it's living sand that's not what it is so the whole plot of this film and it's a very simple story very 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 simple a bunch of i guess you could say college students some of these people are just are bunchy college kids on some spring break party which is crazy because some of the actresses and actors at the time of this movie coming out were already 30. I guess because I remember there was that big deal where in Greece, one of the actresses who was playing a teenager was 35 at the time. I guess now it's a little bit more passable, but that goes without saying. Um, the whole plot is at night, a bunch of college kids were just getting drunk, getting laid, getting high, getting stoned, whatever, doing crazy shit. And at some point, they find this thing. We'll just say it's this thing, but it does play a role until later. And at some point, somebody says to take everybody's cell phones and put them in the trunk of the car because they don't want whatever they're about to do later that night which is going to be probably crazy shit to be filmed and then put on the internet well next day comes and a handful of the people are still at that party just completely dead asleep from hangover i guess yeah two girls and two guys in a car one girl laying on a bench uh a guy and a girl hanging in like a shed area i I guess it's like i I don't know what you would call that on the beach i'm bad with terminologies it's usually where the lifeguards hang out and one obviously rotund dude stuck in a garbage can (laughs) that was funny they put the big guy in the barrel (laughs) with a penis drawn on his face you know what that guy reminded me of he looked like um who was that dude from Breaking Bad? He was like the guy that played Saul's like bodyguard. Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Tom. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yes, he kind of reminded me of him. Um. So yeah, they're all stuck. 
the girl that's laying on the bench is topless. And so, eventually they find out. The girl on the bench and one of the dudes in the car, they get out. And the sand just kills them. Although you don't really see the girl on the bench get killed. She just gets stuck and then that's it. You don't see her again. But the other guy, you see him get sucked in and his face gets ripped off and all that. So the whole premise of the film is that everybody is freaked out by the sand. But come to find out that thing we were talking about earlier, that was an egg. And it was an egg for a creature that now is inside the sand. Killing, well, basically eating the humans. So if you land on the sand, it eats you. However, as we see later in the film, there's a a beach patrol officer played by Jamie Kennedy. Who comes in and is thinking they're all whacked out. And as soon as he steps on the sand, the sand doesn't attack him. So basically, it only goes after skin. So, there's a point where Jamie Kennedy's character is, like, chastising them, thinking that they're all drunk and blah, blah, blah. There's, to rewind a bit, there's one point where the other dude that was in the car is going to try and get on the bench by using the two surfboards and just, like, sliding to the bench from his car. But when they get near the sand, there's, like, this weird trickling string that comes through and tries to grab him and it actually hit this guy in the chest and just basically ripped him uh ripped a couple of uh spots on his stomach or whatever yeah it almost gave him like an allergic reaction it seemed like on his stomach who knows but there's a point with jamie kennedy's character the the patrol guy telling the girl to come down and at some point he gets his hand or arm stuck and he uses the pepper spray to spray this thing. And his arm is completely ripped off. The CGI looked completely fucking ridiculous. It was so out, out there. Um, this creature reminded me, that that's killing everybody, reminded me of a character, or a creature in Breath of the Wild called the Molduga. Now the Molduga does not do what this thing does, but it swims in the sand and will sense you're there and swim in the sand and then just pop out to try and attack you. Now the way to beat the Molduga is you gotta drop one of your uh, your Sheikah bombs and let it swallow it and then just let it explode in its stomach so it can be knocked down and get some free hits. That's not the case here. This thing just stays in the, the sand and then just uses its claws. Like it's Cause later you start to see its claws, like it's, it's, it's tentacles when it gets to nighttime, but some of the deaths you have Mitch who uh, there's like some sort of weird love connection between him and the girl that he's in the shed with they had like a one night stand and it was only because she's still in love with this guy that's in the car the guy that gets his chest ripped Jonah whatever his name is blah 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 there's a point where Mitch is trying figures out that you gotta wear shoes or whatever and he's gonna try and walk through the sand, but when they throw towels at him, the 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 stairway breaks and he falls, and the thing just eats him away. Um, there's one point where they want to get the phones, but they're in the trunk. Obviously, they can't get out, so they have to climb over, try to unlock it. And one of the girls is hanging on to the trunk. She uh, almost falls, but then gets her hand caught in the trunk. Uh, she eventually gets killed because they take the two uh, stairways and try to use it as a bridge from the car to that bench. And the blonde girl that got her hand caught in the trunk, she slips and falls. It gets to a point where there's only like three people left. It's the main girl who's still in love with Jonah, the guy who got his stomach ripped, Jonah himself, and the girl that Jonah slept with. So... They try to get into the patrol car, but that fucking thing is swinging full force, and eventually it's... Oh, I forgot. The dude caught in the trash can, his death came because this thing loves blood, and because he accidentally sliced his stomach a little bit, the blood trickled down, and the thing was able to rip through the the garbage can and just suck him right through. Poor guy. He probably had it the worst. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, he was a big guy. He was stuck in that trash barrel. It's hot outside, so you can imagine yeah. his skin and his and the metal can aren't are in contact with each other, and it's just ugh. He was funny because they would ask, "Hey, how are you doing?" Fuck you. <laughs> oh, he was so funny. He was entertaining. Like that dude. I don't know the actor's name, but he didn't mind getting the piss taken out of him for being overweight and being stuck in a garbage can and having a penis drawn on his face so kudos to him but basically the film ends where blonde girl the main girl the op, the one that has to live it basically pepper sprays this or puts gasoline around the car and just uh lights it on fire and then the monster gets lit on fire and then that was it and Jonah, the guy, he dies from his injuries, I guess, which I thought was fucking lame as shit. That was the only thing I found lame. I was like, you built this whole story and then he just dies at the end. It was like, whatever. Two yeah, girls. It's a little weird. Yeah. So two girls wake up to a guy who I guess was on the beach surfing, knocks on the door, and then they just walk down. And then the dude notices Jonah basically dying from his injuries. And that was it. That was uh, the sand. Uh, and, and then it also showed that they could walk on the sand again. And then it was later shown that this big creature, which I'm going to assume it was some type of jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Pre- it was never revealed what this monster is, what the creature is, but with its tentacles and its glowing tentacles. You know, you had your theory that said this must be some type of maybe prehistoric jellyfish that they came across. Never mm-hmm. revealed how they found it, never revealed where it came from. I guess less is more, which I guess in this scenario is okay. But it was revealed that this big jellyfish was heading towards like a more populated uh, beach area. Right. And then, and then the film ended. Now, when the surf guy found those two girls in a car and then found a dead body, he asked no questions. He just let the girls walk off. I mean, you don't know those girls could have killed that guy. It's possible, but they look so distressed. I don't know. Like he stopped. Hey, hey, who's this guy? Why is he dead? And uh. Eh, yeah, I guess. People respond to death pretty weirdly. Yeah, so, I guess, yeah. But my I, only really takeaway with this, I mean, the, some of the special effects were... were the, the effects were caca. Yeah. Like, I guess for a movie like this, you can, you can kind of get away with it. It's a, it's a silly premise. It's it's basically the floor is lava, but, you know, it's sand. Yeah. Like sand, you die. It definitely wasn't what I expected. I thought it was going to be just some corny-ass movie where the sand is alive and it's just killing everything that it sees, but it's actually just a creature that's using the sand as, like, water in a way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And using it and feeding on the people. The one thing I will say is that after I was done watching this movie, at the very end, obviously, they play a song that plays throughout the credits, or at least the beginning of the credits. It's called The Poison from In Virgo. Fucking awesome song. I suggest anybody who has Spotify or Pandora look that shit up. It's a really good song. So, overall, I did not hate this film. It was not a hateable film. I Maybe it's because I came in with such low standards. I was expecting, like, I mean, this is like a sci-fi TV quality film. Maybe with slightly more money thrown in it. Could because it was just in one setting. One spot, mm. so it would save a lot of money. Just, like, in that one spot on the beach. Uh, yeah. Jamie Kennedy, oh, man, Son of the Mass has done a lot of damage to his career. Yeah, what happened? Like, he went from Scream and Malibu's Wolf's Wanted to this? Yeah, it's Son of the Mask. Oh, I don't think yeah, that movie did a lot of damage to his career. It killed any potential that Hollywood had in him as a... Because at one point, they considered him to be like their next Jim Carrey. That's why he got that role. And then that film flopped, and that was it for him. I mean, he's he's he has a podcast. He's, he's explained the whole story in great detail. Like, everything that... How he got casted, what went wrong. And I really recommend his podcast. He's a, he's a great guy to listen to. He's great at telling stories. Um, the only only other actor I noticed in this film was the actor that played Mitch Mitchell Musso is the actor's name. He was on yeah. Hannah Montana. He was a Dis- he was a Disney kid. Yeah, that is true. The the actress that I noticed was Nikki Lay, and she was the one that gets killed early on. She's the one that was topless. Um, oh. Yeah, she's starting a couple things, but I've been following her for a few years. I think it was before I even met my wife. Oh, side bad film. Not all. It's, 
I remember when the trailer first came out to this, I saw it, I was like, oh my god, this looks terrible. But little me did not even know they had a film similar to this back in 1981 called Blood Beach, which featured, what's his name from Rocky, um, uh, the actor Burt Ward, he played, um, oh my oh, god. Uh, Paulie. Paulie, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's in that movie. Nice. It's, it's a similar premise, so the, I guess the idea has been done before, just a more modern, sillier take on it. I'm pretty sure the original is probably silly as well, but I haven't seen it, so I couldn't really tell you. Yeah, I mean, this film was not boring. It's No, I was I was surprisingly entertained by it beginning to end. I was not bored. Um, could have been a little shorter, I guess, but I thought they did a pretty damn good job. It's just, just me, at least, it could have been so much more worse. I think the only thing they should have just changed was Jonah not dying. That's it. Pretty much it. Other than that, fine. Nothing to complain about. It's something I wouldn't say it's Shakespeare written. No. So, but it's definitely fine. It's definitely not. Unless you are so offended by CGI being bad, it's not a waste of time, trust me. Nope, not at all. Um, would I recommend it? Um, who do I recommend it to? That's the question. Um, if you're like into sci-fi movies on the on whatever they show on sci-fi, this film definitely fits right up there, and it's one of the better ones. I mean, we we reviewed a sci-fi film on here, uh, Santa Jaws. I thought that sucked. Mm-hmm. A big, big improvement over that. But but don't expect too much out of this. Just just the plot is silly. Very easy to follow, but it's very silly. But, you know, at the same time, if you forget all that, you have fun with it, it could be a fun movie. Yeah, I would say it's definitely fun. Just don't go in with super expectations thinking this is going to be the next Halloween or whatever. No, 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 no. Just go with low expectations, you'll have a good time. I think so, at least. And I think that's going to do it for this film. This film was shot in 12 days. It definitely shows, yes. And that's going to do it for 2015's The Sand featuring Jamie Kennedy. And now we go from the bad to the ugly. Cabin Fever 3, Patient Zero, or just known as Cabin Fever, Patient Zero. Because when I think of horror franchises, uh, a story I've always wanted to see expanded upon is Cabin Fever. We reviewed the first two movies on here already. The first one we enjoyed. I I still think it's a fun movie. The second one, didn't age too well on me, the, at least compared to the first time I saw it. I was like, uh, this isn't really that good. It just it just continues to get worse. Um, I've seen this film before. Uh, this is my second viewing of it, and uh, I still don't like it. Uh, how do you feel about it? This was your first time viewing, I'm, I would assume. I thought it was better than Cabin Fever 2, but it really, like, not by much. I figured, like, I don't even know, like... I feel some of the story arcs that they had prepared were rendered meaningless very quickly. I don't know. I I don't know where to go with this. Now, this is is supposed to be a prequel to the first one. Is it? Because, well, I mean, it's called Patient Zero, yes. This was... The the original plan was, I think they're supposed to make another movie or two more films leading up until the first film. Because even in the first film, they act like everything is normal. Now, granted, this is 2014, so this was many years before we had an actual pandemic in this world with COVID. But in Cabin Fever 2002, everything's going on like normal. But then again, I- I'll be fair. It was in Cabin Fever 2 that started treating everything like a pandemic, like lockdown this fucking school and just kill everybody because if this virus gets out, blah, 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 I guess. But, uh, in this particular case, the only thing I got from this film, this is, this, this is what I understood. Alright? Because I want to I wanna leave this movie for you for your rant. This is what I got. Sean Astin is in this film. Yeah, the same dude who played Rudy, same dude who was in Stranger Things and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, best actor in the movie. He's patient zero. He is the guy that has the virus within him, but he's immune. He doesn't kill him. 
I don't I don't know if they explained how he was immune from it or what he has in his system that makes him immune or if he was made immune, who knows. But he's locked in this lab because they want to experiment him so that they can create a vaccine or an antidote or whatever. Because they need to understand how he can still live throughout this virus. Meanwhile, while all that's going down, because he doesn't like being locked up like a prisoner, there's a bachelor party about to happen in like this Caribbean area. Yeah, the uh, Dominican Republic, DR. Yeah, the Dominican Republic, and they want to go to a private island. It is uh, Marcus. Yeah, so we have Sean Ashton's character, who's basically patient zero. He's locked in this lab on this private island. Then we get introduced to these other set of characters. Uh, you mentioned Mia Marcus. He's engaged to a woman, and he's inviting his two brothers, two friends, a brother and a friend. He has a brother who is dating a girl that Marcus had an affiliation with way back in the day named Penny. And then there's Josh, who's also with them as a friend. But the thing is, or no, Josh is his, no, Josh is the brother. Dobbs is the friend. Uh, Penny still has feelings for Marcus and little did Marcus know he still has feelings for Penny. The whole ordeal is that they're going to go to a private island. It's just going to be Marcus Dobbs, Josh, Penny. Yeah, they want to celebrate his uh, bachelor party at this private island, which, why? Uh, You would think at a bachelor party, as horny as his friends are, you would think they will want to be surrounded by women at a strip club. That didn't didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But I guess that's why his wife was comfortable letting him go, because, well, he ain't going to be around any other women. Well, Josh... Josh didn't have to worry. He's got a woman. So just sleep with her. Well, at some point they go uh, diving and they seal the dead fish. And because they jumped into the water and it was all infected, they got infected, obviously, with the flesh. And it seems like the flesh-eating virus is different for them than it was when it got to Cabin Fever, the original. Because they get hives first, and then it burns, blah, 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 blah. Those definitely, definitely had more of a slow burn with the virus. Yeah, it was it was way different. So they get sick. So Marcus and Dobbs have to go find help. They find the lab that all this shit went down. It's completely desecrated. Um... One of the the doctors, I think it was Dr. Edwards, who's like the main villain of this film, who's being a jerk, is holding patient zero captive because he wants to he wants to experiment to come up with a cure. But patient zero knows that he's going to be locked away forever and he doesn't like it. He's trying to escape or trying to be an asshole. At some point, they all escape. They headed back on the beach. One of the. The, the only scene I will say that was really fucking ridiculous was there, there was one nurse in there. She was a blonde nurse. She just basically played the role of I'm doing as I told. She's just being a good little soldier. Well, the virus affected her so much that her face is completely like skeleton-like. So she has to wear a face mask, the same face mask you've been seeing during this pandemic. Yeah. And by the way, explain to me how she has no mouth and she can speak clearly. That, yeah, but that's not even where my gripes come in. That, that is a gripe. But at some point, she gets back onto the island and Penny sees her. And Penny's just completely devoured from her skin. And then they have this fight scene and blood is splurting out. I'm like, is any of these two girls going to die? Because they look so like they look like death already struck them. And they're still fighting, and arms are getting ripped off, and then she takes this black dildo that was given to Marcus as a gift, as a prank, and smashes her face completely with this dildo. It was like, and I guess Penny died, because, like, they didn't really show her dying that I can remember. And then I was like, what the fuck was the point of that fight scene? What was the point of building the whole Marcus and Penny thing when she already gets sick and they don't, like... He doesn't break off a gate or whatever. I mean, I guess I'm asking too much from a horror film. But 
they eventually compromised Dr. Edwards, who was being a dick throughout the whole thing. And the only thing that I caught from it was they found out, or when Marcus was going through the lab, that he, the scientist came to the conclusion that it all came from a rat or a mouse. And then the swerve of the movie was that patient zero, who is Sean Astin, put his blood onto the mouse, which spread the virus, because he wanted to spread the virus. With what motive, I don't know. It reminds me of the Resident Evil swerve when one of the guys had released the virus to everybody. Go go ahead, get rip it a new one. I couldn't care less. So explain to me his fucking plan. The end the end credit scene, they the I guess the, tr- the director and the writers thought they were clever by showing this backstory. So anyway. The, uh, he was being experimented on. Uh, Sean Astin. They're experimenting, experimenting on him, and eventually, he when they try to, I guess, uh, inject him with some shit, he um, got one of the guards infected, and because of that, the whole building had to go on lockdown for like two days, forty-eight hours, whatever. So all the remaining scientists had to go into this one room and and basically just stay there until uh, the lockdown is over. While mm. that's happening. I, in the beginning, they showed one of their lab rats uh, escaping the cage. I think the blonde girl must have left the cage open, uh, the mouse, the rat, whatever, dropped, and eventually got into the cage with Sean Astin. Sean Astin cuts his hand with uh, with the with the metal blade off of his bed, and and bleeds his hand all over the mouse, and the mouse slips out. So the mouse slips out, somehow makes its way. Into the lo- into the lockdown kitchen where everybody is at, and then when it showed the mouse going into this room, everyone was walking. This mouse was walking right in the middle of the floor. How nobody noticed it? How nobody stepped on it? Amazes me. And how the hell did Sean ask to know that this little mouse was gonna go into that room? You can't control a you can't control a mouse like a remote control. Just all right, go into that room. It's not a dog. It's not a pet. It's a mouse. They, you know. It's such a ridiculous plan. <laughs> it's so stupid. And why was he planning this? And why did he do all this? Well, of course, I mean, Winston, he didn't want to be there. And, of course, they lied to him about, you know, his family being alive when, you know, they're all dead. But even after they rescued Sean Aston, he still poisoned the water. I knew, I once he had the water bottles, I knew he poisoned them. Even that, and that was from my first viewing. I was like, don't drink the water, he poisoned you guys. I don't why he's doing this, I don't know. The characters were all annoying. I didn't give a shit about any of them. I mean, with the exception of Sean Aston, I liked his performance because it was such a it was such a darker character for him that he's played this time around than from what he usually does. Yeah, um He What? I was gonna say, you mentioned how like the virus is is pretty inconsistent in this movie. Because there were some scenes where the boyfriend dragged, uh, what's her name, uh, Penny, and, yeah. and he and he ripped her skin off when he tried to pick her up. Yeah. Remember that. So later, when Mitch, I'm not Mitch, Marcus and his brother Josh or whatever, they go into the uh, lab. It was and not his brother. It was um, his friend. Whatever the fuck he is, this this guy, this other guy. And when yeah. they go into the laboratory. All the infected doctors start acting like fucking zombies. Why? That was another thing that bothered me. I was like, this is turning into a fucking Dawn of the Dead type of movie. Like, come on. And there's a scene where the guy, when he runs into one of the doctors and he falls down. Because, you know, the doctor was a big guy. I'm like, wait a minute. But if he's infected, shouldn't you be able to run right through him? When he shot the gun, the freaking, his freaking hand came off. His hand came off and the gun hit him square in the head. And I was like, oh my god. Like, it, what kind of, I feel like this movie obviously took itself way too serious, but at the same time is doing silly things like this and having two girls fight each other where the finish is that she gets her head beaten to death with a freaking dildo. That's probably why I liked it better than the second, because at least the this was so ridiculous I found it funny. But, uh... That, that would have worked better in the second movie than here. Ah, uh, that second movie was just, uh, 
I, I know I had a, okay, and so those two got affected with the water, right? When they went swimming? Right. Does that whole ocean possibly be infected? Like, why yeah. has shit spread throughout the ocean? And if this is a laboratory of this, of Patient Zero, don't you think they would have securities all over the island making sure no one fucking comes across it? Uh... Or they would have, like, a radar system, so if any boat is around the area, they say, hey, don't come to this island, turn around. I guess because it's supposed to be a secretive island, I Secretive, where anyone could just freaking accidentally wander onto there and possibly find out what the fuck they're doing. Because there was no security, there wasn't even any security in the lab. Well, yeah, if you're talking about accidentally, yeah, that is possible that that could happen. If nobody's there to protect it. The, the, like literally, nobody anyone, realizes. Anyone that. could go on that island. There's no security. There's nothing. There's nothing stopping you from going on there. The thing is, it's like Area 51 is like heavily protected. They'll shoot exactly. you on sight. They will shoot your ass on sight if you even cross that sign that basically <laughs> warns you not to cross it. Cross the sign, or you even sniff that area. You're gonna you're gonna get a call or something. Someone tell you, hey, don't go over there. If you do, then we will be we will use action. And we will be within our right to. So, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't have security there. I, dude, I'm not saying this movie was spectacular. It definitely was pretty fucking lame. But the thing is, is at least there's a dialogue between you and I about this movie going over what happened. I recall when we were doing the two Cabin Fever films. We talked in length about the first film in great detail. And then the second film, we talked about it for maybe like five minutes because we can't even remember what happened. Everything that happened was irrelevant. Granted, shit that happened in this movie was irrelevant too, but it was where we can at least remember what happened. And you and you mentioned the female uh, scientist, the blondie. You know, yeah. when I first see her on screen, I'm like, you ain't no fucking scientist. Why did why did you get this part? How did you get this part? Yeah. And then once I saw the jacket come off, I was like, okay, because they wanted a topless girl. That's why you got casted. Yeah. And then she's talking. You think, if you don't have a list, you, you talk like this. You can't see very clearly. But she's talking completely fine with a mask on. Completely fine, yeah. And We're then she goes out. I... <laughs> and then she goes outside to the beach to the boat. She sees Penny, and then they stare at each other, and then they just start fighting for no reason. Why do they fight? She kind of looked like Melina. She had the mask on, and as soon as she takes it off, she looks ugly. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate. I like the. I guess from a gore standpoint, I can see some people liking that. I mean, the only gore scene that was kind of like, whoa, was when at some point Penny and Josh are having sex or about to. Oh Josh yeah, giving her oral, <laughs> and then all of a sudden she squirts blood in his face, and she's like yeah. in pain because the virus. Yeah, cat, patient zero, huh? This film gave me zero patience. I didn't like it. I didn't like but, it either. It, uh, this was supposed to get a sequel. Uh, it did not prequel. because they chose to do a remake instead. Why? What is so? What was so? Okay, we uh, we did enjoy the first movie but was it enjoyable enough to do a remake like was, was it enjoyable enough to get a film series that's what i'm saying like the first cabin fever was that type of movie that was a one and done there's no need for another one like did they make a last house on the left two after the original 1972 version no just a remake just the remake exactly so they never did any sequels, nor did it need them, because it was a one-and-done film. It's like if they would have made a Killer Clowns from Outer Space 2. It really would have been like, why? This film alone is fine. They would have made a Nightmare on Elm, or Nightmare Before Christmas Part 2. It would have probably taken away the charm in the first movie. I mean, this film needed a lot of things to work. I mean, I we I mentioned it Sam being a sci-fi movie. This could pass as a sci-fi TV movie as well. Mm. Uh, the characters all suck. They're all cliche. They're all annoying. Just from the moment they get introduced, I'm like, oh fuck, why are we going this direction? Uh so you're not rooting for anyone. You don't care about anything, maybe except for the fact that Sean Austin Sean Aston's in the movie because you know him. Right. Uh 
this film has nothing going for it. Yeah, thumbs and down. Fact, yeah, it's a thumbs down. Skip it. Don't bother. I I would put this as I said. I I would put the sand over this. Oh yeah, by far at least the sand was like watchable. It was watchable to me. I thought this was a waste of time. Yeah, and and this movie did drag. It felt like it went on forever. By the time they get to the lab, it just like went on. Felt like an eternity. Yeah, it was it was, it was very dull. And and then this film is just as long as uh the sand. It's like what a little under ninety minutes. Uh, the sand was about um, an hour twenty five minutes. Hour twenty five. This was uh, hour twenty nine. All right. So yeah. Practically the same, it's... No. Right. You say it was better than the second one? Um, for me, I don't know. I, I kind of put them on the same level. I mean, they were both... Uh, they were both different. One one was more sillier than the other one, but the other one was way too serious in a point when it tried to be silly. It just, to me, it just didn't work. I will say the dildo fight scene was fucking amazing. Um... That, I guess, for Patient Zero is the dildo fight scene. And for uh, the sand, it was uh, Jamie Kennedy getting his arm ripped off and the amazing CGI effects that were presented to us. Oh, God. Amazing. Uh, so, uh, any final thoughts? Uh... I guess, like you, I have zero. This movie was just what it was. Um, yeah, I can't praise it, but I can't say it was great either. Yeah, I mean, these Cabin Fever films only get worse. I don't even know if the remake is on Tubi. I think it is. Will we review it? I don't know, because when I saw it the first time, I hated it. It's literally one of the worst remakes to a film I've ever seen. Oh man, it can't be as bad as the Blair Witch Project. Well, no, that wasn't a remake. That was Blair a Witch. That was a sequel, yeah. But the, uh, yeah. I'll I'll, have to, I'll let you be the judge if we ever do come across it again, or co- again, I, if we ever do come across it. Yeah. But this film gets a zero for me. Wouldn't call it a zero, but it definitely is no good. No bueno. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> for Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Uh, go to a strip club. Don't go to some abandoned island. Yeah. You have, you have a much more t- a much more of a fun time at a strip club than some abandoned island with two guys and one girl. And if you haven't learned anything else, don't be dragging eggs from the ocean and putting them in the sand. Don't draw dicks on people's faces. That's me. No. That and putting fat people in garbage cans. <laughs>